when we talk about body language as such yes we all you know react instinctively now those instinct come from a lot of different things one is how you are reacting on the spot this could do with a lot of experience that comes with how you learn to react to situations all of that This is Hannah and I welcome you to another episode of Reaching Your Goals. Reaching Your Goals is a career podcast where I sit down with truly inspiring individuals and we dig deep on leadership and career-related topics to provide you with the insights to get one step closer to living a fulfilled professional life. We all have goals we want to reach, but sometimes we need a little push to get from motion into action and... That's why we are here, and my mission is to inspire you to reach your goals, lead with kindness, and have some fun along the way. And in case you wonder, depending on the day, I either work as a certified executive coach or a management consultant, and I have an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business. Our topic today is truly, truly important. It's non-verbal communication and body language. And whether you are aware of it or not, when you act with others, you are continuously giving and receiving wordless sickness. So all of our nonverbal behaviors may be the gestures, posture, tone of voice or our eye contact. It all sends a message and it can either work in our advantage or not. Even when we are silent, we are still communicating nonverbally and that makes it so much more important to understand it better. My guest is the wonderful Kiati Bhatt. She is the founder of Simply Body Talk, a company that has built a niche internationally in nonverbal communication. Kiati has trained for mastery in nonverbal communication and is a certified expert in reading micro and mini expressions by Paul Ekman. In her work as a senior coach and head consultant, Kiati helps individuals to sharpen their leadership skills. Her clients include the elite forces from Indian military as well as leaders from companies such as Google, Deloitte, Discovery, Adani or Capgemini to name just a few. Kiati is based in Mumbai in India. And before we get started, just a quick one. If you would like to hear more from Reaching Your Goals, please sign up for our newsletter. It's at delegate.substack.com or you will find the link in the show notes. With that, let's jump in and learn more about nonverbal communication and body language. Kiati, it's great to see you again. How are you doing today? Absolutely fine. Thank you so much for inviting me, Anna. It's an absolute pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. We have an exciting topic today. Before we get there, I would love to start with rapid fire questions, short questions, short answers. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. I read that you also participate as an observer in high stake negotiations. What is a typical predictor that somebody will either win or lose a negotiation? What is the one thing? How on the spot they can think. That's, I think, the best thing that tells you how well they can think on the spot. Mm-hmm. And you founded your company, Simply Body Talk, 10 years ago. What has been the most unexpected thing about this venture? I think the kind of clients I've had the excitement and the honor of working with, I did not expect that when I started out. So 
And how would your friends and family describe you in one word? Let's say opinionated and introvert, maybe. So mm -hmm. opinionated, not like in an extreme form, but yeah, I have things that I believe in and values that I stand for. So from that perspective, I have, you know, things which are like a little black and white. You just mentioned values you stand for. What is your top value? I think uh, standing by your ethics. I mean, if I'm doing my work, I would rather get it in the right way for uh, my expertise than in any other way. So that's for me been the biggest principle because when you work for corporates, there are a lot of shortcuts that can be there, but I've never even tried to Know, look up what those shortcuts put to you approach people in the right way if they like what you're doing then they will take up whatever you know your offerings are so that's for me the biggest thing i hear a lot of integrity right there thank you who is one of your role models i think my husband if i can just be like him i think that's good enough because uh, we can have role models who are like up there but then You don't see them close and you don't know how human they can be. So from that perspective, he's been somebody whom I've admired the, since the day I met. And I keep striving to become as good as he is, but I'm still, you know, working to get there. So. Wow. From your point of view, what is the most important quality in a leader? I think the ability to let your team learn by themselves. I mean, I can have 10 things that I see can be solved in, you know, quickly but if I don't let my team learn by themselves I should be there to just back them up like as a leader so that is the biggest strength that a leader can show by letting the team grow and you be there to just back them up. What is one thing that people often get wrong about you? Sometimes I think a lot when I'm listening to somebody so I tend to process a lot of information at the same time that could mean that I'm not very expressive on the spot and Sometimes it's been misread as being too stern and difficult to mingle with. So I'm working on that. I try to be more responsive because I teach that to my clients. I have to be the first one to do that myself. So yeah, that comes more from processing. But yes, the other person might not know that. So coming across as stern is something that comes up at times. And say, so do you still remember what you wanted to become when you were a little girl? Oh, yes, absolutely. I wanted to have a business of my own. And that I was very clear from the beginning because I belong to a family of entrepreneurs. So that much I knew. What I never knew, I also liked being around people, just looking at them. I remember I used to go to my father's uh, hospital and look at him and his patients talking. That's it. I never wanted to become a doctor, but I liked observing people and, you know, understanding about the communication there so I just knew that but about the entrepreneur bit I was absolutely certain that this is something I am going to wow and last question for the rapid fire what is one thing we cannot google about you uh, this is difficult what can you not google about me I think uh, the fact that I like to self-learn like uh, When I'm with my guitar or with my sketchbook and I'm just sitting and trying to learn, I like to learn by myself more than from what somebody teaches me. So even the workouts and all I do, I choose my own schedule and I plan my own thing. So this is something which it's not there anywhere. So it's personal, but that's the way I've always grown and that's the way I would like to keep it. That you discover what works the best for you and you, you know, grow according to that path. 
It sounds like it goes back to the quality you appreciate in leaders. Let them learn themselves. Uh, yeah, possibly. Now that you say it, probably that's been the motto and the reason behind the motto. And we already learned our bits and pieces from you, but I'm very curious to hear more. Could you please tell us the key milestones that led you to where you are today? I think it started with my childhood where my parents were always there to back me up. They allowed me to experiment. And my father used to take us to bookstores and, you know, open up the entire bookstore that you buy whatever books you want. So that made me an avid reader and, you know, explore the thoughts of authors from across the globe. And uh, it somewhere widens your horizon. Then I studied in a city that was not where I was, uh, you know, born and brought up. So adapting to culture. Twice I moved to different cities while I was a student. So one was within India, the other one was outside. So how to quickly adapt to cultures, that's what I learned. And coming back also, I worked in another city. Again, in India, what happens is all over, there's a very different kind of culture, language, food, everything. So adaptability is what I learned. And in terms of profile, I was first in mixed of technology and finance because I was an information technology engineer. And then I did wealth management as a management degree. So with that background, I first started out as a business analyst in finance. Then I graduated to being a currency trader and a portfolio manager. And then I realized that, you know, uh, I'm putting in a lot of time and effort for somebody else. If I actually wanted to start my day at eight and end my day at eight, it might just as well be for myself. So that's when I start. I thought that, you know, Let's now get into that business that I always wanted to do. And my mother-in-law already had a business. So I first joined her, mentored under her, and then I started something of my own. So 2013 is the biggest milestone for me because that's when I started my first brand, which is Simply Bought It Off. And the next one was in 2019 when we started a brand for younger kids, which is Pew Kids. Again, the specialization stays body language for both, but... Uh, These are the broad, not timeline, professionally. Personally, I think uh, finding my soulmate, having a kid, those are the biggest milestones that can be there in my life. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Because we will talk about nonverbal communication and body language today. How did you get interested in that area? Okay, so again, this goes back to my love for books. Uh, me and a friend of mine, we used to you know, read books from the management library when we were studying for our degree, which is information technology. So we used to go to another library all together and read there. So we picked up books on topics that had more to do with self-learning, out-of-the-box thinking, mind maps, and body language was one of them. So we used to sit after college and, you know, try and see people, look at the chemistry, what's happening, who likes whom, and things like that. And... Over the period, because I'm somebody who likes to listen more than talk myself, you know, you get into that mode where you just learn to observe people more and more. And one day when I thought that, okay, now it's time to start my own business, I went through all the notes that I had been making over the years. And what I realized is more than the learnings from anything that I've come across in life, I've written more about people behavior. And that told me that, okay, if I wanted to put everything together by you know, work for myself, have something that I'm really passionate about and understand myself and my personality, then, uh, you know, body language is the one subject that I should pick up and go about. 
when i started at that time there was not very good awareness about the fact that body language is much more deeper than you know just dressing up and shaking hands with people at least in india so it took a lot of effort to get this across to people and that's why i think we've got international brands that took it up before the ones that are more national because they understood that non verbal communication is the concept that's very important in any kind of communication so that's the crux of it and there he has so much courage in that story of going into a field that is not yet established where do you take that courage from i think i didn't think so much all i knew is you know <laughs> let's work in something i will enjoy doing and yes my family did ask me that you know you like reading and uh, talking about body language but how will you make business out of it how will you make money out of it so at that time all i knew is if you have passion for something you will find a way out i started by just writing blogs on the topic and one of the blo early blogs that i wrote that was picked up by a national platform it's a very big platform in india and after that there was no looking back i mean the clients approached me from there and that we've heard you write on this topic we want to learn more so i got personal clients and after that uh, when i was ready that's the time when uh, you know i took up that first employee who helped me to set things up get the branding rolling and that's uh, how we started going about getting more business and clients and all and in the meantime i also had a certification to do so i have trained with a retired fbi special agent for mastery in body language so that came along the way because i realized that you know just having passion is not enough you need to have some kind of a certification that says that you are an expert or at least a specialist specialist in the subject when i read about you i know that you are also training with the with the with, with the military right the special forces in the military with yes. the special forces that's the word um when you work with the special forces what do you teach them it gets a little tricky because uh, you know they are dealing with lives while corporates yes you know you work with them to improve their productivity and their revenue and bottom lines but the military when you work with them you have to be 100% sure what it is that you're working with them for so the assignment that we had done previously was about threat assessment that in a crowd of people can you quickly identify somebody who's looking a little different from the rest so that even if they are approaching or for any reason you know they are stepping out of lines you can respond faster that's what was there now right now we are working on a program that can help uh, the ransom negotiations and all to go better so there it's about you know that gun that can go off in milliseconds if we don't get it correct so there's a lot at stake but i believe that you know if i work with the right agencies then i can bring about a change at the gra grassroots levels because these kind of programs are there but from my experience uh, most of the places there's no technical way of going about or approaching the subject people have an intuitive knowledge and that's what they pass on to their teams also it's better to have a more systematic approach and at least address those myths that exist if some people feel that you know just looking at the faces enough i have to teach them that you know faces very important but there are other things that can be hiding somebody's intentions so those are the kind of programs that i am working on and i wish to do along with obviously the training assignments and the coaching and all that we do at the same Wow. Let's deep dive in now body language and the nonverbal communication. 
So I know body language is the use of the physical behavior, expressions and mannerisms to communicate non-verbally. And this is often done instinctively and not consciously. So is that always the truth? When we talk about, uh, you know, body language as such, yes, we all, you know, react instinctively. Now those instincts come from a lot of different things. One is how you are reacting on the spot. This could do with a lot of experience that comes with uh, how you brought, been brought about or how you learn to react to situations, all of that. It also has to do with your uh, other things like your hormones, for example, right? So those hormones play a role in how you perceive emotions and how you react on the spot. So yes, it is true that most of our behavior and the way we react is impulsive. But there are a few things that, you know, you can work upon. Like it's not always the case that we leave body language to be by I mean, the body just reacts and you just go with the flow. When I want to sit across and explain something to you, I want to make sure that whatever is there, it gets, you know, communicated in the right manner. So if I can learn as an individual, I have to make sure that my body language is also playing a significant role in how I want to communicate to you. Then that is also important. And there are some broad aspects that all of us can learn from and benefit that being said, I don't want to undermine the fact that body language is instinctive. I mean, a liar cannot feel that I can hide what I want to say if I know that I can use these kind of hand gestures and facial expressions and get away with it. I also read that for the face-to-face -face communication, 55% is nonverbal, 38% is vocal, 7% it's words only. And I know there's some irony that we talk about it in an audio podcast. Yeah. Let's start with that. In an audio podcast or in a virtual work conversation, does the nonverbal part is still equally important? Let me start by saying that this particular statistic, it's an often misquoted statistic. The person or the researcher who had actually you know, done this research, he had meant it in a certain type of setup and situation only. But because these look like, you know, figures that we can all use very yes. appropriately. So it often gets misquoted and misinterpreted. The truth of the matter is uh, body language plays a role of roughly 50% to probably also, you know, going up to 100% at times. I mean, as a mother, if I just want my child to understand what's in my mind, she just has to look at me if I'm annoyed, right? She will get the message. So... Sometimes after 100%, you know, you can put across what's there without saying anything at all. So the idea is, you know, nonverbal communication also includes the audio or your voice. So on, in those situations where you don't get the face-to-face, -face, obviously you have to rely on how you are putting it across through the choice of the right words and the voice also. I mean, there are things like pauses, the pitch of the voice, the volume of the voice, the number of back channeling that you do, like how many times do you do a hmm or a hmm hmm? Are you, you know, upping up the frequency of that or reducing it altogether? So those things are important. But again, how much information I can actually get from a face-to-face, -face, nothing can beat that. I mean, sometimes it happens that somebody is just doing a hmm hmm, but, you know, their mind is somewhere else. So then in that case, I cannot make that out just from the audio. So from keeping that in mind, 
given a chance you should always go for a face to face especially in those situations where stakes are high so i was doing a workshop just last week on negotiations and somebody stood up and asked you know what do we do when negotiations are happening on the phone and for me that was a shocker i mean how can you negotiate on the phone so i told them that you know we've now in a phase where post covid everybody is open to a video call at any time i mean we were all resistant at one point because we thought how can i do a video call and get the same kind of you know connect with somebody as a face to face and there were a lot of us who are not technologically as savvy but after the lockdown things have changed so again coming back to that audio bit it's always good to just request the person at the other end especially when it's a very serious kind of conversation that can we just do a video meeting and finalize the details of this deal and they will be open for it what is getting lost in a camera on conversation versus face to face because if you are really looking into my eyes i have no idea <laughs> we try and get most of it correct because observing correctly can be good i mean even if you say that i'm looking in your eyes and talking right things like how fast your eyes are blinking or how much your pupils are dilating or how that area under the eyes is getting tense stuff those are also there just around the eyes obviously sure. eyebrows are there the wrinkles mm-hmm. are there so <laughs> lots of things are there so the face itself has around uh, 8 to 10000 different expressions that's how expressive we are just from the face but yeah there are things or aspects like how close are you to me in a you know meeting how much you back away because right now you are anyways at a distance so if you don't like something you might react in a different manner so these kind of things might be a little more difficult to perceive those who are observant they will get it but they might be a little more difficult to perceive in a remote kind of an environment it becomes a little more fluid also i mean in terms of rapport building you will feel that the connect takes a lot more time in a video call than in a face to face so obviously there's a lot at play right you have your voice quality that's better in person then you have other non verbal communication aspects like the odor is there then there's a touch that handshake that we do those things start getting missed out Mm, interesting. Very different than face to face. And one thing I was wondering during the COVID times, when we all started going on video calls, people suddenly were looking at their own faces all day long. Was there a movement or something that people realized what they look like in a conversation and they actively wanted to change that? Have you observed anything into that direction? so it's called fatigue i mean i forget the exact name but there's a fatigue that sets in when you start looking just at yourself because you start trying to you know control all your expressions and your movements and all sometimes you will see when people are doing these meetings their eyes start flickering from here to there it's not that they're not focusing on you but they are also trying to see how they are coming across to you right so for most of the times what we advise people is when that conversation is important you should put yourself either in speaker only mode so when the other person is speaking you know you're just focusing on them and not on yourself and there are times when you will see that you know suddenly people are making these movements which seem unnecessary and a lot of times those movements are because they're just adjusting themselves and how they are coming across and not really to your conversation so if you want to really decipher somebody's reactions in 
of this thing remote kind of setup you have to keep these minute things in mind that they are not you know flickering eyes because they are not focusing it's because they are also looking at themselves and these sudden reactions could also be because they have become a little more conscious not really to what you are saying you are supporting leaders in sharpening their communication and if they now want to adjust it or, or they are focused on it what is important there so when it comes to leaders there are different kind of uh, dilemmas that they face let me put it like that so the dilemmas they have is you know somewhere i am not able to communicate what i want to to my team my team is not opening up in the right manner to me there are some people who are just so nice that you know the team walks or takes them for granted or there are these power dynamics that are happening in organizations you know somebody who had a colleague at par suddenly that colleague goes and is promoted faster and the colleague and the boss are in one location because of the remote environment this person is in another location so in those small meetings how do i understand whether the chemistry between them is changed or not these are the kind of topics that they generally are battling with and they would like to know how non verbal communication can help them there then there are these high stake uh, negotiations that they are doing all the time be it with their clients be it with internal stakeholders be it with their vendors so there are also you know techniques what are the techniques to use depending on their personality and when they are using these techniques how does body language play a role a lot of them are into multicultural kind of setup understanding people from different environments and adjusting adapting to them understanding how to decipher when somebody is not getting your message or the broad vision across those are the kind of things we you know work with and you just mentioned techniques and also that techniques are linked to the personality what role does the personality play there and what is in sample technique let me take up one live example that i was doing just before this podcast okay so i was working with a gentleman we were doing different persuasion techniques if you read the book the influence there are lots of persuasion techniques that are there okay so one of them is authority that when you want to persuade somebody you need to show that you are an expert in the field and if you can do that in the right manner then what happens is the person at the other end gets convinced now when i was doing a small role play with this gentleman what happened is he was using this technique now while using the technique i was countering his point he's saying i'm an expert because of so so and so reasons and i'm countering that saying that but this is you know and a fact from my end but i don't think your point is valid because of so and so now when he was listening to me what was happening is his hands were all showing you know he was constantly massaging his hands telling me that he is not adapting to this uh, argument that's coming from the other so i had to advise to him that you know i think it's better that you don't use this technique at least as of now because your personality is a little different from this particular technique so that's how you know personality and the kind of technique that you use play a role not just your personality you also have to keep in mind the person at the other end like if i am trying to use something that is dominating but the person at the other end is equally powerful then they might be put off to such an extent that they might just get up and walk out of the room so you don't wow. want to do that right so you have to understand people at the other end you have to understand yourself and then understand how i can use a technique and also how to execute that technique so 
in all this non-verbal communication, it plays an absolutely important role. Since the non-verbal communication is also instinctively, do I simply need to listen to my gut to perceive the other person or is that too simplistic? Most of the times that's how it is. We also have something called understanding somebody's baseline behavior. So baseline is generally, you know, as Hannah, how do you respond generally? Like if you like something, you have a different way of reacting and telling me. If you are not agreeing with me, probably you have a different way than not always is it out of the box or, you know, very, very different, but you have your own style of reacting and responding. Now, if I can understand that from our previous conversations, okay, then in the next conversation that's happening, I will know that a little from the beginning. So once I keep that in mind, my reactions might be instinctive, but, you know, somewhere I'm also allowing myself that scope to connect with you on a level where I know that, You know, this is how you will be responding. And another thing that will also happen is if I see that you typically nod, but today you're not nodding. So what do I do about that? Right. So that's how, again, I will be able to hear my responses and my communication, my conversation accordingly. If one of your clients is perceiving those differences versus baseline, do you advise them to ask? What should they do in that situation? There are different ways of going about. I mean, uh, let's take an example. Supposing I feel that, you know, you're not, uh, say, responding as uh, naturally as you were responding just a minute back. First response will be, I will try and maybe back up what I was saying and see if that works for you. But if I see that you're closing down more or more or, you know, there's no change happening in the response, then I will probably want to ask you. Even in terms of body language, there are a lot of different body language signals that tell me that this is where you want me to ask you. That ask me, I want to speak up. And there are these signals that will tell you that this person is gone from the conversation. Even if they are across from you, their mind is elsewhere or, you know, they have given up on you or the conversation or the thought that was there in that entire discussion. So you need to just be a little careful about the you know, situation and be able to respond according. And one thing I was also thinking about before is in my coaching, sometimes I ask my clients to go in a power pose because then I always see that the energy is shifting and suddenly things seem very different. And so I assume we can also leverage that to really say become more assertive or more confident. How can we really leverage it to our benefit? Okay, so since you mentioned power posing, there's just some controversy happening as to exactly whether power posing as a technique works or not. Just for the power posing, it's just for somebody who's not doesn't have an idea on what it is. It's like standing with your legs a little bit further apart, say 20, 30 centimeters straight up and your hands in your hips. And then everything is straight and you are very grounded with your feet. Correct. So power pose is the idea where you open up your body to the maximum possible and hold that pose for a minute or two before you step into a meeting or something that's very crucial for you. And because you would have held that position for like those one or two minutes, what happens is the hormone that serotonin that's responsible for making us feel anxious, that goes down and that helps you to, you know, become calmer and that helps. There is this constant debate that happens that can the body also influence the mind? The mind influences yes. the body. We know that instinctively, you know, you will go about doing this. But if I am able to somewhere 
control how my body is reacting can it also help you to adjust out your mind and a lot of times it does help i mean on the spot i cannot correct my body language but i allow myself to know that these are things that work out well for me that helps you to settle down better so it does help to be aware about your body and your body language and i wonder so we can tweak our body language to be better but at the same time we always want to be authentic or at least authenticity i feel has been one of those keywords over the past few years how far can we go in adapting our body language while still staying authentic when it comes to authenticity you are going to respond instinctively whatever it is right but when we work on things like your attitude your behavior towards somebody or something that's the you know level at which you want to bring about changes and when those changes brought about it will reflect automatically in your demeanor and how you react to situations on the spot but how can you reach that level where you as a individual get into that attitude of you know accepting certain things or being calm and composed in a situation that begins by observing yourself so you know mm-hmm. it starts and ends with body language you observe yourself well you understand what are those areas which make you feel stressed out nervous you don't like something is it a person is it an individual is it a certain kind of situation and then you try and get to the root cause that you know why do i react like this is it i have some thoughts that are not correct is it that the conversation is not good and you try and make changes at the root level root cause level and then again it trickles down to the state where you don't have to think at all your body language just becomes natural and instinctive what i'm hearing is that it's difficult to really fake it instead you have to work on what is triggering your reactions and once that's fixed everything else will come correct. naturally correct so i think the easiest way in which people understand is public speaking that you know most people come and ask this is the first question we get that when i'm standing on the stage and speaking what is the body language i should use right well you cross your arms you look down <laughs> obvious no <laughs> yeah. so i mean see if you learn hand gestures that okay these are 100 good hand gestures let me try and use them when you are speaking do you think you will be able to tell your mind that okay i'm going to be counting now so let my counters pop out and i will start doing this one two three on the spot it's not going to happen instinctively so what you have to do is practice enough that it just becomes second nature so when you are standing sitting no matter where you are and you're trying to express your body language will come out the way it should right like how you would want it to and that makes you authentic i mean i'm not trying to fake anything here i'm just having my body get used to practice enough so that when i'm talking and conversing i'm automatically making my body language very expressive and natural and you said we should observe ourselves how Should we do that? Like look in the mirror and talk to ourselves or it's like in a video conference, maybe for five minutes, put our picture bigger to see how we actually do it. How how do we go about it? So I will not you know, advise you to look at yourself in the video call because what happens is the other person is looking at you at the same time. Okay. They will not know, right, that you are trying to adjust to yourself <laughs> and how you're looking. Yeah. So coming back, the bigger mirror, the actual mirror, yes, that's a very good idea. You just look at yourself and you practice out whatever it is that you want to practice out. Another is 
you do a video recording of yourself you can do like a role play with somebody keep the camera on the side just record yourself then you look at it and see but in a meeting how do you see okay so for that comes the power of introspection that while you are talking can you also attend to how you are doing that communication it takes a little while that's why you know we start out when people come to coach and learn more about body language we first start by you know you just learn the concepts first the very broad concept that open means more inviting close means shut down not liking it more then you learn how to observe the other person better the most difficult is observing yourself because when you are doing that you are talking you are observing the other person you are also attending to how your body language is and probably also trying to adjust a little so that the you know message is not lost somewhere so it's a little advanced but if you can observe your signals when you are giving them it's easier to settle down and when you observe your own signals should you capture that say at the end of the day to see progression over a period of time or how do you really improve and change your authentic style yes it happens over time i mean bringing about changes in your responses and your behavior it's not like an instinctive thing at all it takes time practice and the most important is patience if you wear out of patience then you know you will just feel this is a sham it cannot be changed so that way but i mean making note is the best thing on the spot at the end of the day or you have somebody just work with you if nothing else you can just tell a family member or a friend that you know this is something i'm working on so whenever i am you know over responsive or i'm going a little too fast or i'm getting heated in the moment just let me know so you know they can at least draw your attention after that you just get used to automatically observing yourself and that's the first step after that you will also learn how to you know get better at adapting on the spot so this first step this finding those triggers you said before once you understand what is triggering you to respond you should understand what it is is it the person the situation and then you go deeper on really seeing what's happening or what are emotions are coming up depending on the context I mean, to me, that sounds like this typical coaching or maybe therapist topic where you really go deep to see why am I the way I am. That's how it would work, right? A lot of people feel body language is a superficial and visual topic. It's not the case. I mean, it comes from your most primitive part of the brain. So to make any changes in that most primitive area in the brain, it's not easy and probably not even possible. So it's... something that takes time and effort that's how i would put it mm. coaching yes coaching is what helps most people but uh, if you don't want to go that deep just you know observe how the person at the other end is reacting to what you're saying and you will get an idea you know in the moment at least what changes you want to bring about and i guess if you are actually open to change that deserves already a clap on the shoulder correct correct I like you had also pointed out Anna like in the moment do you decide that should I ask a question or not I think that's very powerful and a lot of times people forget that most of the times I feel that I have to tell you everything that's not the case right I could even ask you a few questions in between to understand more exactly what is bothering you or why don't you like what I'm talking to you about or did I say something that you don't agree with but asking questions is something sometimes we forget about it so bringing that into the conversation i think that 
also is good enough always if you don't want to sit and keep introspecting at least learn the technique of asking questions and listening that also solves a lot of you know miscommunication errors that happen or a uh, misinterpretations that can take place you also mentioned a little while ago cultural differences and now we are also sitting in in different areas of the world what are typical misperceptions just because of different um, cultural backgrounds i'll tell you two things there one is there are a lot of these signals that stay universal okay if you learn what those universal ways in which people respond so the most common that most of us know is the emotions right those seven emotions that stay pretty much similar in all cultures so if you get that bit correct not just the emotions there are other things also but like i said you know if we like something most of us open up and if we don't like something we start shutting off in different way so that bit if you get it correct it's more or less okay easy to interpret what different cultures are talking about now we come to expressiveness which can differ from culture to culture that there are some cultures like for example italians right they are really expressive just thinking about them talking with the hands <laughs> these are all high context cultures where we focus a lot on how the things are communicated and then there are these low context cultures where people are either very abra- i mean blunt that this is what i want or the culture is so polite that they don't want to express everything that's happening in their minds right so there a little you can get a little nuance so it's always good to read up a little about whichever place you are traveling to so i i always like this aspect that you know you get the universal aspects correct you understand how to interpret body language at a, a basic level and you will be sorted because even if you are very expressive say okay so maybe you are an italian and you know you like expressing a lot i will be able, i should be able to make out when that change is happening so for example 2 seconds ago you are very expressive suddenly you are becoming less expressive so in the moment i'll be able to get it that okay so whatever your backdrop culture because culture is not just the region right culture can be the generation it can be the economical background a lot of things play up in yes how expressive you are so if i can just understand you on the moment and see how that's getting different as the conversation goes forward i will be able to at least to certain accuracy get what's going on in your mind cuz time is flying what is your last advice looking at body language and nonverbal communication how can our audience really what can they do today to work on themselves i would just say that you know start having face to face conversations because as and how the world is going more and more digital this is something i keep telling all the time that you know we have started so getting used to putting voice notes to people or just putting dropping notes in chats and emails that sometimes we forget that it's important that you keep getting that connect going even if i know you so what i mean once in a while i can come over to your place and you know meet you over a cup of coffee it doesn't have to be a business conversation you can just meet people you know and give them that face time you'll be surprised when i tell you that you know when we do parenting workshops for my brand for kids we do these parenting workshops for working parents i have to actually tell them that being in the room at the same time with your kid does not mean you're spending time with them spending time means actually putting everything aside and giving them your focus your attention and your energy 
if we can do that bit correctly then at least we are not in the danger of you know cutting off from society because humans we've survived and we've been the better of all the races that exist because of the fact that we stay together as a society so if we get used to the idea that let's stay remote i can be okay at my home working and not understand that society is important for our survival we will never know when that day will come when we start regretting it so don't be your own little island <laughs> yes yes that's a brief and good way of putting it actually yeah, yeah i see everybody sitting in their little island now you know it can be nice if it's the caribbean islands <laughs> yes but jokes aside what is coming up next for you a lot is coming up next i mean we are adapting to again coming back to technology whatever technology is coming in there were times when our team used to sit and you know spend a lot of time in content building i think uh, as the companies have matured the content building is out of the way and we've got tools that help us to just speed up the process so we are focusing on making a lot of these tools that can help our clients to keep learning all the time so the idea is they don't have to attend like a session or a workshop or a training with us they can go back use our tools and keep learning keep revisiting yeah. and stay as human as possible <laughs> So it's an irony, but you know you have to use the tools to get your job done somewhere. It's true. For people who want to stay in touch with you, they should check out the website for Simply Body Talks because I've also seen there are tests you so that you can do for yourself. There are trainings. There's a lot, a lot to check out. How else can people stay in touch with you and follow you? I'm very active on LinkedIn because I think that's the platform where a lot of interesting conversations do happen. So Kyati but you can look me up and we can always be connected. Perfect. I thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your wisdom on nonverbal and body language. This was so interesting. Thank you for having me over. I think you had some very interesting questions. I have enjoyed myself a lot. So thank you for asking all those questions Anna. Nonverbal communication and body language is such an important topic. If you would like to talk about it, please tag me at Delegate or Reaching Your Goals podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. This way you will get the next episode in your inbox when it drops on Tuesday. With that, we're done for today. We are one step closer to reaching your goals. Talk to you guys next week. Bye.